You're listening to DraftKings Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. <laughs> yeah, bomber, bomber. This is this is the bomber hype of. Come on, everybody! <laughs> and then he's got. I'm actually wearing a Steve Bomber outfit. He except he's like much sweatier in that in that video from 1995 where he's on stage. You know, he's yeah. he's like doing the. Yo, Charlotte has the 1995 braided belt on. I think I wore that in high school. The one where it doesn't have belt holes in the, in the loop. You just yeah. like tighten as much it's as you cool want. It's cool again. Look it's at cool. this thing. Is it? Are the braided belts back? Yeah, look how cool this is. Are you kidding me? I look like a mom from the 90s. Nothing's cooler than that. Welcome to Oddball. I'm Amino Hassan. That is Charlotte Wilder. Say hello, Charlotte. Hello, Charlotte. Live from New York City. Isn't she witty? Uh, we got a great show for you guys today. A little bit later, we'll be talking to Carlos Boozer. You know him. You love him. Longtime NBA pro. Now the father of two future NBA pros, and he's the author of a new book, Every Shot Counts. It's about his life, and let me tell you right now, staggering. You don't want to miss this conversation. But first, Charlotte, are you ready to play some Hype Me Up? I sure am. Hype Me Up. Hey, Charlotte, I'm feeling down. Can you help me out? I mean, yes, I can. I have just the thing for you. And it is a segment that we, I like to call Hype Me Up. Oh, there it is. Yeah. I feel better already. I this is a segment where we each get a name, a statement, and a hypothetical. And the other person has to. What do they have to Hype do? Hype me up. Hype them up. Yes. Thank you for paying attention. I was like, whoa, he really, his mind really went blank there yeah, for a no, second. I was, I was, and this means I'm waiting for something from you. Like this, this well, beckoning is that's what's happening. You do, there. you, you're, you do all sorts of things when you're talking. Sure, sure. All right, uh, Charlotte, are you ready? I am. Yes, I am ready. The first name we have is Steve Ballmer. <laughs> Steve Ballmer? Yeah, Steve Ballmer, the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, the richest man in uh, professional sports in America. If you add up all the net worth of the next 15 owners, it yeah. still is smaller than just Steve Ballmer. So. Well, Steve, I think your team should be better then. But uh, I don't think he needs hyping up at all. He's a billionaire. There you go. Way to, way to start it off hot. <laughs> well, I have very little. Sim- Look, Steve, I'll hype you up if you give me a bunch of money. Um, Damn. But in serious, like you're going to you're great. Russ, uh, Russell Westbrook just gave 
everybody on the team an iPhone. So I think that you guys are set for the season. And uh, reportedly, you actually might be trying to get James Harden, which also, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, but he, I mean, he's, he's a billionaire. He's good. I got to tell you. The, the, you don't get what you paid for anymore in hyping up, huh? Like she turned into a hype me up no. mercenary and instantly the service went down because her heart wasn't in it, ladies and gentlemen. Her heart yeah, wasn't Yeah, because in he, who needs, who needs, he can hype himself up. Charlotte. All right, I mean. Money yes. doesn't buy happiness. Okay, well, here's, a, here's one for you. Here's another billionaire okay. for you. You have to hype up Mark Cuban. Just in general, Mark, baby, everything's great. You're over there. Baby, wait, 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 wait. I have to stop you for a second. I go with my dude and you always go, you, Mark, baby, listen, yeah, <laughs> you're great. You're going to be my, golden. I turn into my, my old Hollywood character. Hey, kid, listen to me. You're going to be a star. See, like, uh, yeah, man, Mark, you cool. You're over in Abu Dhabi, man. You, you're hanging out. You're riding camels. You're doing ATVs on the sand dunes and stuff like that. You're popping over to Dubai, going to that weird island place that looks like a palm tree when you see it from space. I don't know who that's supposed to really help because when you're on the ground, you really don't know what the ground looks like from above. So I don't know. It's cool, I guess, to the, to the oil shakes or whatever. But you're there and you got your team there. And Luka Doncic played and Kyrie Irving played. And guess what, man? Like most of the time, you think, hey, guys, are going to sit out. They want to do this. No, no, you, you, you did all right. And then you got your rookie, Derek Lively. He looked pretty lively out there. Yeah. It doesn't matter that you guys got blown out by like 30 to the Minnesota Timberwolves and Anthony Edwards didn't even play. That's irrelevant. It's preseason. It's about having a good time, shaking hands, kissing babies, and getting ready to come back home where the real work begins. Wow. That was a better billionaire hype up than mine. Look, man, because I know money doesn't buy happiness. People walk yeah. around thinking, oh, he's a billionaire. He doesn't need to be hyped up. Yeah, man. Sometimes you wake up and you just don't feel like going through the day, Charlotte. And that's where we come in. We're supposed to help these people say, you know what? You put on those slippers. You brush those teeth. You get in that shower and you attack the day with that billionaire ferocity. Also, all right. All right. All right. I tell you what. I tell you what I mean. Let's do next week or in a few weeks. I'll, I'll try to hype up Steve Ballmer again and I'll try to do a better job. Also, do you think Steve Ballmer is sad that Russell Westbrook bought Apple products. Yes, I do. He's like, what about Intel inside? Yeah. What about what about Zooms? You could have got everyone Zooms. What? Russell, if you really care. What about, does Microsoft have a phone? They did. They discontinued it. Sorry, Steve. Sorry, Steve. I mean, he doesn't work anymore, but still. The statement for you, Charlotte. Brad Stevens on the Drew Holiday trade got to pay a good price for things. Got to pay a good price for things. I almost decapitated myself with that one. Brad, my dude. Okay, I love this. Yes, you do have to pay a good price for things. Did you ship off some of the players that I love that I thought were the heart and soul of the team? Maybe. That doesn't matter because you got the thing that you paid for. You got Drew Holiday. And listen, this is sort of like girl math. Like the other day, I bought a jumpsuit that was way too expensive. But I justified it by telling myself that I was going to wear this all the time. This was going to pay for itself. And you know what? If Drew Holiday brings you that championship, he's going to pay for himself. And I'll, I, I think girl math and basketball math actually might be very similar. And I think this is something that everybody's been sleeping on. So, Brad, I am with you. You got to pay for nice things. You did an amazing job, buddy. Uh, finals, finals, here we come. I'll be honest. I still don't understand the whole girl math, boy math thing. I'd be, I'd be seeing it on the internet and on the social medias, and I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get well, it. Well, it's it's pretty dumb. 
Okay. Okay, are you ready? Sure. Um, Spurs' Victor Wembanyama says, quote, no limitations on his role. Vic, of course there are no limitations. The world is your oyster. Or as they say in France, the world is your oyster. Uh, <laughs> du monde est... Uh, oh, that's, that's Spanish. Oh, monde, I know, is French. Le, du monde est uh, 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 oyster. Uh, oyster, yeah. No, man. Look, you're a 7'3 dude with a 7'9 wingspan who can shoot threes, cross over, bring the ball up, post up and block shots and dunk on people. There should be no limitations. When people ask, what's your position? You should say, basketball. That's my position, because I can do it all on the floor. I challenge Greg Popovich to use you in the most creative ways. I want to see you play the one. I want to see you play the two. I want to see you play the three. I want to see you play the four. Ironically, I don't want to see you play the five. Keep spacing it out. Don't let them take, turn you into some lumbering Frankenstein. He had Boban before. Boban's super skilled. He could shoot. He could pass. He does all these tricks. What did Pop do? Yawn. Throw him in the block. Make him this big kind of tall, stiff guy. Nah, man. Big. You come in there. You say, hey, I'm running point on day one. And if you don't want me at point, I'll run on the wing. Catching and shooting and coming up down screens. That's what I want to see out of you, Vic. And I know you can do it. You know why? Because why? Uh, there are no limitations. The limitations uh, do not spa, exist. Spa, spa the limitations. What is that from? The limit does not exist. Is that from Mean Girls? Yes. The, the limit does not exist. The limitations. Oh, is it October third? Uh, say no existent. On October third, he asked me what day it was. It's October third. I only know that because on October third, everyone posted that. Yeah, it's like April 26th from Miss Congeniality when it's like, what's your ideal date? She's like, April 26th, not too hot, not too cold, more light jacket. Here's your hypothetical shot. I was going to ask you what's your ideal date, but then I decided against it. LeBron James. I like September, early September. LeBron James will not play in Saturday's preseason opener. Oh, my dude. Amazing call. You are a legend. You've got nothing to prove, certainly nothing to prove in preseason. You're the oldest player in the league. And I say that not to not, I'm not negging you. That is an unbelievable accomplishment. And I think that that means you shouldn't have to play in preseason games. Um, You also have to save uh, the athleticism and uh, body that you have left to play in the regular season and prove to everyone that you can still do that. So I think preseason, great call. Sit out, ice your knees, put some icy hot on, wrap yourself up in, you know, whatever ace bandage is cool these days and um, and get ready to, to take on the world. Charlotte, do you think he plays in Rudy or something like ace bandages and icy hot? This man pays seven figures a year. In body maintenance. For like cryotherapy? Tech. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, get some ace I'm old school. I'm old school. I think there's nothing icy hot can't fix. What's Are you my, ready? What's my hypothetical? Yeah. Uh, Jalen Green is ready to lead the Houston Rockets ascension. All right. So this this this, hypo- this hypothetical. it's like a hypothetical for the future. It's like Jalen yeah, Green leads the Rockets. Yes, I, I know, and I also know why we have this hypothetical because our producer Hollywood is from Houston. Mm. He's a long-suffering Rockets fan, and he thinks that this might be it. This might be. So the we really point. need to hype up Hollywood in this case. We I don't need to hype like, up Jalen Green yeah. as much as. Hey, Hollywood. Hey, look at me. There you go. Eye contact. The Houston Rockets were one of the worst teams in the league the last couple of years. You know what that means? 
Only way you can go is up, baby. There you go. <laughs> bring in Fred Van Vliet, bring in Jeff Green, bring in Dylan Brooks, and guess what? These guys are pros. Pros, pros. Two out of the three have won a championship. So they're going to walk in there with that championship swagger and say, hey, how you young boys doing this? That ain't supposed to do it like that. He's supposed to do it like this. And you know what? The young guys are going to be like, geez, these guys have come from the mountaintop. They brandish of jewelry, gemstones that I want to have in my life. How can I get those gemstones? You know what? By eating my Wheaties every day, by getting seven hours of sleep, by coming in and getting shots before and after practice, by stretching, by icing, by doing all Icy the hot. that the vets do. And when I do that, Jalen Green, because I am the most talented player on the roster, I will then carry everyone like a rocket ship into the sky, taking us to immortality one day, one step at a time, one small step for man, one giant step for the Houston Rockets fan base. Mission Control is not where the Rockets take off from? No. They take off, well, no. Like the room with all the computers and yeah. stuff and everyone high-fiving when they get That's them back. That's not near where the rocket takes no, off? No, it's a different state. I guess that makes sense because it's a rocket then you don't want to be too close. Hey, hey, Charlotte, how close are you to the mission control here for this show? Oh, thousands, thousands of miles away. They're but we have, we have, we've got a mission control here. The rockets are actually closer We got John, to we got control. Thomas. We got, I can't see you. It's very dark. No. We got Alex in there. Look at that. I have my own mission control now. I mean, I don't know if you've heard. I'm in a studio. I hadn't. I, hadn't. I don't need to be hyped up at all. Clearly. Hey, Georgia Tech Spirit Week continues. We're going to get them tomorrow. We're going to get them Gators or whatever the hell they call them. Not Gators. Hurricanes. We're going to get them Hurricanes. I love sports, and I love Georgia Tech. Go team. Go Jackets. Are for you. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Welcome to Oddball, our next guest. Man, you hear him on ACC Network, but you saw him play in the league. He was incredible. He was an all-star. He is a two-time Olympian, including gold medalist in 2008. And he went to that school down in North Carolina. I don't know. It's named after like a cigarette company. It's, I don't know. His name's Carlos Boozer. <laughs> What's up, Booz? What's up? How you guys Man. doing? Great. Thanks for joining the show. You have your... A uh, new book that's come out. Every shot counts. Um, it's it, I I read it and I gotta say there you go, you're holding it up right there. Um, I did not expect I, this. I'm gonna say this, and I don't want this to sound insulting in any way. Someone told me Carlos Boozer wrote a book about his life. I'm like, I mean, okay, what? So he played in the league and he went to Duke, whatever. Right. And then I read your book and I was like, wow, mm -hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. The, the I don't even call it depth. It's just it's bizarre. I mean, even things like growing up in Alaska. I knew you grew up in Alaska. I knew your parent, your father was in the military. I had always assumed, oh, y'all were in Alaska because your dad was stationed there. 
And that's why you were there. Just just like why you were born in Germany and come to find out, no, you guys grew up in D.C. and then moved up because of a really traumatic experience. Yeah, but that's the reason why I wanted to write the book, man. This is like something that I've been carrying with me for a long time. Obviously, one of the biggest things was, you know, I'm I'm 41, turning 42. I got four kids and I've lived a hell of a life. And I wanted to tell my story and how it began and some of the, the triumph, but also some of the tribulations I've been through with the hopes of trying to inspire somebody else. You know, other kids who have a goal, other kids who have a dream, they run into a roadblock and they decide, do I keep going or do I pivot? And my advice would be keep going. You know, uh, early in life, my best friend got shot and killed in D.C. to gang violence. And my parents ushered us out of there. We went to Alaska and everything opened up. It was like, you know, my mom and dad had five kids. All five of us went to college. All five of us graduated. But if we stayed in D.C., who knows you know, what the outcome could have been. Right. So that's just the beginning. There's so many more uh, stories along the way. Like I remember. I'm 12 years old. I'm in seventh grade. You know, you go into class and the teacher says, hey, let us know, you know, what you want to do when you grow up right there on a piece of paper. So I say, hey, I want to go to the NBA. Mm-hmm. And the teacher tells me, you know, you should lower your expectations and think about maybe working at Costco or the local grocery store. This is coming from my seventh grade teacher. No, and I, I live in a household where my, my parents allowed me to be dreamer. I'm a big time dreamer. My parents allowed me to dream and then I go to school. And so in that moment, I could have either got deterred and discouraged and decided to be like, well, dang, I guess I guess Costco was it. But instead, I decided not to listen to my seventh grade teacher and keep going after my goal. So I would just tell kids out there, you know, you're going to run into roadblocks nine times out of 10. And that's that's God's way of testing you to see how bad you really want whatever you want. And I wanted it pretty bad. That's that's wild, man. Like she didn't even say, hey, man, you could. You could be an accountant or like she went Costco or the gas station. True story. Yep. Jeez, man. Uh, I, I, I do want to follow up about, you know, the, the death of your best friend, Chris. Yeah. Um, I, I obviously, like I said, a traumatic experience for anyone, let alone a six year old. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that surprised me the most was you didn't talk about this with your parents with your sister who you were very who you're very close with with anyone up until you put it in the book mm-hmm. a why do you think you never talked about it even as you got older with with you know revisited it all with your family and b what made you say you know what i need to put this in the book yeah i think for me it was it was a scary moment you know i, I don't know how many of you guys out there are listeners or viewers out there grew up in the inner city but there's codes and there's things that you know, the streets take care of. And so for me, it was one of those scenarios where I didn't know if it was going to come back on me or not. And I definitely didn't want to come back on my family. And so, you know, obviously I talked to my parents about it. Um, and that we decided to keep it between us and move forward. You know, they didn't tell my sister at the time. It was just me and my older sister. And my brother was really young. Like he was just born a newborn mm-hmm. He was born in Baltimore. So he was a newborn. And that's 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 the only immediate family that I had outside of my uncles, cousins, aunts, you know, our extended family in D.C., grandparents. So when that happened, we decided to keep it between us three. And then we just packed up the van and we moved to Alaska where my my aunt was living at with her husband. So we decided to make once we got there, it was like, whoa, you know, there's mountains and there's fishing and there's hiking and there's outdoors and 
you know, when you're used to a concrete jungle, we don't get none of that in DC. You know, we when you go when you go to Alaska, you get everything outdoors without the inner city. So you have the ocean, you got mountain climbing, I'm snowboarding, I'm getting used to a different uh, type of people because it's a lot of Native Americans and a lot of Caucasians. And growing up in DC at that time, I was around only black people, only. Mm-hmm. So it really opened my eyes to a, a different world that there's more out there than what I was used to. Carlos, when when you put this in your book, um, the the writing and, and the storytelling and, and the way that you express it is so vivid. And I was also so impressed by your willingness to to put that event out there in its fullness and and the complexity of it. Something that struck me as just so poignant was when you said on the road when you were in the NBA, you would it would come back to you in those moments on the road. And and I'm just sort of interested in the process of working through it yourself. Yeah, I think one of the big things, uh, especially in my community, is is we don't really get therapy. We really don't get a chance to deal with childhood traumas. And this was a major childhood trauma that I went through that I had kind of like, you know, swept under the rug, which is what typically most of us do in our generation. And I was like, you know, I, I definitely need to get help. I need to go see somebody and talk to somebody. And for me, it started with my family. You know, I talked to my parents about it. I wouldn't saw a therapist about it just because not in a way where it was like daunting hanging over me, but it was ever so present, especially, you know, when I, when I got back to Chicago and we play the wizards, you know, four times a year, every time I ever played DC, it, it it automatically brought back crazy memories. And I think, I think writing the book was therapeutic in that respect. It was, it was also a healing mechanism at times too. Because so many times you push it all the way to the back of your memory bank, right? Because you don't really want to think about the tragedies or the failures or that kind of stuff. But at the same time, when I wrote it, I'm thinking like, I got to honor him. You know, this is a story about someone who was my best friend that nobody knows about. So I need to let people know how much he means to me. Uh, Did you ever um, go back and figure out as far as the guy who perpetrated it? uh, Yeah, I get get, it. I've gotten asked that a lot today. And I think, you know, as a six-year-old, it really wasn't up to me, but I, I spoke to Chris's mom on many, many occasions. And she obviously put the put the call out to the police and so on and so forth. But um, to my knowledge, he was never found, to my knowledge. But I haven't gone back as an adult to try to dig it up even more. And it's interesting because, you know, this the other day, I saw that they finally arrested somebody for Tupac's murder after 27 years later. Right. And it made me think like to make the call and and try to go back to, to D.C. and to the precinct to see if something ever happened. It's a beautiful testament to Chris to the way you, you wrote about mm-hmm. him and, and kept his memory alive. Um, switching gears a tiny bit, speaking or a lot, uh, speaking of family, your sons, Cameron yeah. and Caden, um, are star prospects in the 2025 class. I've watched that anytime they're on, you know, there's high school basketball on ESPN. I'm like, oh, those are Carlos Boozer's kids. <laughs> um, what has it been like for you watching them ascend? And is there any way you would let them go anywhere else but Duke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, it's been awesome. I mean, they're, they're hungry kids and uh, they go for it. You know, they're in a, a rare, a rare environment where, their older brother, Carmani, used to take it to them on a regular basis, right? So the, the competition inside the house was always crazy in the backyard, playing one-on-ones. And so because they had Big Brother who was always dominating, it made their hunger to get better so much greater. And then they had each other, right? Think about having a twin brother 
that you can go at every day in practice to get better, to get sharper. And so for that, they have each other to, to go at to improve. But to me as a dad, I'm just proud of them, man. Like they have a dream. They're going for it. You know, they're not they're not holding no punches. They're not like living in dad's shadow, so to speak. They're trying they're making their own their own path and their own light. And to your second question, <laughs> whatever works for them, you know, 20 years ago for me, Coach K and Duke worked for me. It was the right move for me. And they got to find their path for them. I ain't the one waking up at six o'clock in the morning to go train. I'm not the one going to be up at two o'clock in the morning doing a school paper. They will be. So they got to be able to live with their decision and come come to a good uh, recognition of who they really trust as a coach, what program they really like. And they're going through that process. But I'll also say that I'll be no matter where they go, I'll be the first dad in the door with that hat on with their jersey, rocking their jersey. <laughs> whether it's Blue Devils or not. Uh, Booza, I want to ask, first of all, as a father of twins, I need to know, do they ever shut up or do they, <laughs> is this forever that they just, they talk all the, I have 10 year old twins. They yeah. never shut up. They're talking, they're fighting, whatever it is, there's always words happening. It's funny because people who don't have twins think that they wake up at the same time and go to sleep, but it's the exact opposite. Like me and mom were up every hour because they were, they would wake up at a different time than the other mm -hmm. one. But the cool thing is they're, they're best friends. You know, they've been playing together since they were born. They have that competitive edge with each other. You know, Caden will be like, look, the only reason why you're number one in the country is because you six ten and I'm six five. You know, they, they have those kind of conversations. Um, but it's it's cool that they had each other. You know, they're going to go to college together. And that way they always got a best friend next to them. If they go through something on campus, they got somebody to talk to with them right there, um, which most of us didn't have. You know, we go to college and we got to figure it out on our own. So I'm excited about that for them. Now, Charlotte, I don't know if you know this, but Carlos shattered his first backboard when he was 14 years old. I did not know that. How old, well, how big were you at 14 to be able to shatter a backboard? Yeah, I was probably like six, seven-ish. And oh I was jumping God. at great house. My dad put these little, uh, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember this thing called strength shoes. They had like a platform in the front and they would like build up your calves. Yes. Yeah. My dad had me rocking that since I was like in the fifth grade trying to build. <laughs> I, had, like, I had these chicken legs when I was a kid. So he had me doing that when I was like in the fifth grade. And I, I was dunking since I was like in seventh grade or something. So shout out to the backboard. And this is like right in that era where they just started putting that extra spring on the back. Mm -hmm. It's right before the spring. So mm. I broke five backboards in high school. That's part one of our conversation with Carlos Boozer. You don't want to miss part two next week on Oddball. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.